Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Crush. Um, I usually don't call it The Crush, but I think I may I may go that route from now on. The Crush. Does it, Elizabeth, how does that sound to you? Does that sound uh, oh, too intense? I, th- I think I have a crush. So oh, yeah. good, good. Uh, <laughs> everyone, that voice you just heard was Elizabeth Gore. Say hello once again, Elizabeth. Your voice sounds so lovely. Howdy, everybody. Oh, how, we got a howdy. To talk in here, everything that everyone's up to. Um, that's awesome. I like the howdy for the, you're showing off your Texas roots. That's right. <laughs> um, so for those who may not know, I would love if you could give a little bit of a 101, maybe a 90 second version of who Elizabeth Gore is, and then we can get into some stuff. Uh, well, um, I was a chick kicking cowgirl. You're right on that gig, but now I live in Northern California. And I wear two hats. One is I'm the entrepreneur residence at Dell and have the great pleasure of working with Michael Dell on advocating for entrepreneurs everywhere because we both think they're literally going to save the world. And uh, the other half of my life, I work with purpose-driven uh, startups that are trying to be profitable, but at the same time um, have some type of overt outcome uh, to benefit humanity. So those, those are the two hats I wear. And then uh, I have two bosses that are two and five years old at home, named <laughs> Opal and Jacob. Nice. Um, which, which bosses do you report to most often? <laughs> right now, the two-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I have he's, th- he's, much hard, he's harder than Michael Dell. <laughs> <laughs> I have a three-and-a-half-year-old, and yes, it's so you're like, oh, what did I do? Oh, you love me I again. Know. Wait, what did I do? Oh, you love me again. I they're like, I just gave you what you wanted, and you're screaming at me. And that's, like, worse than shareholders. So. <laughs> well, you know, I, ironically, I feel – I don't know if this is true for you, but I feel like sometimes parenting prepares me for my day-to-day entrepreneurial journey. Um, oh, totally. It's, it's a complete startup. You don't sleep. Um, everything breaks. You have to iterate every day. You're broke. And then suddenly, you know, you reap what you sow and these kids love you again, just like the business will. So it's just like it. And then, of course, there's the drinking involved and, and all of that to get through it. Yes. And the diaper changing on, on occasion. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, let's 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 focus on Dell for a second. Um, I, I guess, you know, what w- let's go with the basics. What does an entrepreneur in residence do? Well, I'm a high-paid intern is the way I like to think about it. So um, I have a, a innovative fast role for two years to uh, do a couple of things. One is how do we continue to be the end-to-end solutions provider for every fast-growth entrepreneur out there? Um, you know, just like changing those diapers, uh, technology changes, I swear, every two minutes. So we have to stay in front of what do entrepreneurs need and provide that to them. So I like being kind of the, the chief listening officer and taking everything I hear from entrepreneurs back to the company. So that's one way, one thing I am responsible for. The other, though, is um, Michael is, is the first ever uh, advocate, global advocate for the United Nations Foundation on entrepreneurship. And I was the former entrepreneur resident supporting uh, the UN Foundation. So we, we also advocate for everything entrepreneurs need to scale their companies because we feel like for all the major social issues out there from ending climate change to educating children to curing cancer that entrepreneurs truly are the ones that that innovate and find solutions so 
So we try and use our muscle to advocate for everything they need, whether they're policies at the federal, state, local level, and the same with other countries. It's getting the better access to capital. It's finding uh, mentors for these entrepreneurs. So uh, on one hand, I'm in the listening. And on the other hand, I'm trying to provide entrepreneurs with the opportunities they need to scale. Uh, you know, and that, I like that it's, it's a whole ecosystem of, you know, resources and vision for the, what these entrepreneurs need. And I love the, like the chief listening officer. That's a, a great title. I'm going to steal it just so you know. No problem. <laughs> Go for it. Um, you know, and I, so where does, when Dell steps in, you know, when you or Dell, like however you want to position it, you know, from a technology, like, is it always from a technology standpoint? Or are you looking at even soft skills, right? I think some entrepreneurs are missing like, oh, resiliency or grit or just these other sort of, you know, non-tangible things that they need to succeed as well. Do you touch on that part of the, uh, the, the journey? Oh, not only that, but we even touch on culture. So uh, in fact, we just did a study, um, the We Cities Index, looking at even down the cities, what they're providing for entrepreneurs to help them scale. And we ranked them. And, and part of it was culture and uh, talent. And talent wasn't just um, who you're hiring into your company. It was a continuation of learning for entrepreneurs. As you know, um, that stereotypical hoodie-wearing uh, dude is, is not the world's entrepreneur anymore. It is people from all over the world, uh, every city in our country, but there are different resources in each city. So how are we getting uh, mentorship, training? If I'm an awesome engineer, but I don't have the actual business skills I need to scale a company, how do I get those? And then culture is huge, particularly for women uh, entrepreneurs, minority entrepreneurs, veteran entrepreneurs. Is there a culture in an environment that actually allows them to flourish and encourages it? All of that is critical. No, that's great. And uh, I mean, that that adds multiple, multiple layers to, to your, your day, I can imagine. Um, and uh, one thing that I, I think about, is especially on the, the women's side of things, um, you and I have the, the Global Entrepreneurship Summit in common. Um, I attended mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, uh, and just kind of the, the one thing that kind of blew me away was the, the representation of women. Like, yes, you've got global culture represented. I think there were 170 countries, but I think mm-hmm, they were close right. to. 50 if not higher percentage of women that were represented like what's changed and 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 or what needs to continue to change um to yeah i mean i think the face of of an entrepreneur looks very different now so if you look at the global entrepreneur summit for example you had refugees there who were entrepreneurs you had um to your point i was so proud that the host committees worked really hard to have gender diversity there in terms of 50% women. Um, you have folks from all over the world, different cultures, different um, economic and socioeconomic backgrounds. So I think entrepreneurship should be defined by, actually by the, the person and their personality and willingness to innovate, get over barriers, build something out of nothing versus the actual tangible product they have. I think how we define an entrepreneur is just different these days. I mean, you know, I always giggle when, when people don't think of entrepreneurs in agriculture. I mean, look at the new Inc. 5000 list and how many ag companies are in there. It's Agriculture is still the number one industry in the world. So are we looking at, at people in ag as entrepreneurs? I mentioned refugees. My favorite thing 
when I was working with the UN was to go into refugee camps and see how extremely innovative people start businesses out of literally nothing within two weeks. Incredible. So what I worry about on this is I think the formulas and the ecosystems that were built 60, 75 years ago have not shifted to support the new entrepreneur. So even if you look at the kind of new accelerators out there, the majority of them are being utilized by, by our male counterparts. So I do hope that we're all looking at what, what are the new formulas to access capital in the venture community, for example. We've got only 3% of venture money going to tech female entrepreneurs, 7% in general. So how do we shift that formula? How do we shift what we need for women to go through accelerators? You know, are they virtual? I love the circular board as is the fastest growing accelerator for female entrepreneurs now because it's completely virtual. So I'm excited about the new face of the entrepreneur. I'm a little worried that we got to catch up with the systems that support them. Yeah, and and uh, I mean that in and of itself is a, a pretty daunting task. And I'm I'm have you kind of discovered some of the pain points of why you know you mentioned the 60 year history, but why the shift is slower than we wanted to? Because you're right, like the some of the best innovation comes from corners of the world that we're not looking in. And I would imagine that that, that would be a, a healthy appetite for somebody with capital who wants to make more money. Um, but for some reason, we get more Snapchats. More, <laughs> You know, the, those sorts mm-hmm. of investments happen quicker than the things that are important that that, that are that what you're talking about uh, that can also make a difference. So uh, I guess kind of back to the question is, um, why haven't we seen the, the change? Well, I think some of it's geography and then some of it is formulas that have already worked. Right. So um, let's take the formulas piece first. So if, if I'm a, a you know, I wish I could say that. You know, the venture community is a bunch of misogynistic a-holes that don't care. I actually don't think that. I think the venture community is also looking to shift and, and try and change this. However, if, if, if it's on you to make money and have quick returns, you're going to probably use a formula that has traditionally worked, right? Um, you're, you're not going to be incentivized to actually stretch and take some risks. Right. And as long as those formulas are working, I think you have to make an overt conscious choice to actually leave room to, to switch and say, okay, I'm out of my, my 10 companies. I get fun this year. I'm going to overtly say three are going to be either from minorities or women. And you have to make that conscious choice. Um, so I think some of these formulas are just tough, even when it comes to bank loans, not just venture. One of the reasons I love crowdfunding is, it's kind of a blind, unbiased, full digital choice. So you see a lot of women actually, um, I think over 60% of crowdfunding is going to women. It's, it's, it's a formula that's new, it's different, and it's for the modern entrepreneur. So I think we have to stretch. We have to make overt, conscious decisions. Um, and then geography. We're, we're just, again, folks have been traditionally supporting, whether it's through financing, whether it's through selling to uh, customers or so on with who is around you. So, you know, we all are trying to replicate, replicate Silicon Valley, but let's start really understanding how do we find sources of capital and partnerships and marketing in those geographies um, or use this new kind of digital economy 
to connect us all in different ways. So I think formulas and geography are the two things that are kind of holding us back. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, I like your Kickstarter example or your crowdfunding example. Cause I think, you know, I think when you, when I land on a crowdfunding page, I, I'm immediately focused on the idea, right? I'm focused on whatever mm-hmm, that product mm-hmm. is. And I'm not looking at like, Oh, it came from this group of individuals or this part of the world mm-hmm. or some, I'm not, you know, I'm not, immediately confronted with the doubt the subconscious bias i'll say um that that, that i right. might have so there's this kind of like take it like let's just focus on the issue and the solution um do you and i don't know if there's going to be more of that do you see that being sort of a, a big plus in in kind of the future of what you're doing or is that something that you're oh totally to yeah totally and i don't know if you've noticed that but there's an election going on i, mean, I don't know if you <laughs> oh yeah i forgot that. about that yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that crowdfunding didn't exist even four years ago. So it, it came through the Jobs Act and or the second Jobs Act. And policy can actually push these barriers and incentivize change and push um, all of us to do better. And that was a policy decision. So I think we're in an opportunity right now where entrepreneurs in, in different clusters and groups of folks who represent entrepreneurs can really say, okay, we have a new Congress coming in, we have a new president coming in, we have new state um, officials coming in, and are there policies like crowdfunding that we can actually shift that will benefit the entrepreneur? Or are there things that are over-regulated that we can pull back on that, that, are, that is actually hindering entrepreneurs? So I think actually I am very optimistic this year and next year if all of us kind of work together to say, what are things that, that we can do, whether it's from a policy standpoint, um, federal, state, local, um, that we can push our elected officials to help like crowdfunding? I mean, that was a perfect example of a policy that has brought is going to bring in what will be trillions of dollars. That's amazing. And, and, and kind of like you, like I'm, I'm optimistic and I worry, you know, because I think there's a lot mm-hmm, of progress mm-hmm. that's been made. And, mm-hmm. and regardless of the qualifications of the candidates, I think any change in sort of leadership means change in w- where we've where we've come from and what we're and wh- where we're headed. Um, mm-hmm. How involved are you in protecting the progress, <laughs> you know, or, or how important is it to, you know, what are the steps to protect the progress uh, as, you know, so that things aren't overturned or decisions are unkept or you know things are blocked in the future like what are some of the things that you have to navigate to ensure you know future success well me personally and then um representing dell as their eir we are incredibly involved frankly um you know we look at different pillars so uh, how entrepreneurs access capital are they open to new markets how do they access technology um, so on and so forth. So all of those things we track, whether they be um, in Congress, whether they be what are the policy platforms for SMEs and both the presidential candidates, um, what what are the new ideas that the next SBA might be coming in. So all those things have everything to do with our business. Now, what what also a lot of people might be frustrated by our two presidential candidates so if that is not an arena you want to go to, look local. I mean, have you tried lately to buy a building for your business? And, you know, everything to do with your county, your city also has to do with entrepreneurship. What are the tax incentives for you? So you can also track those um, without too much of investment. And 
it's better to establish relationships with these public officials in a positive way before you bump up against them in a negative way, which will probably happen if you're a company at some point that's scaling in a significant way. I mean, look at talk to Uber, talk to Airbnb, all these folks. Oh, yeah. No. And I, and I think that's where, the, like again, go, going back to those like soft skills, right, is <laughs> like the resilience and the yeah. grit and the willingness to try to find a side door when you, you know, you've only seen one door and just keep, keep, uh, keep at it and keep pushing in addition to just developing your business. Right. There's there's so many oh, totally. different angles you have to work it from. I tell you, I just got back uh, last week from Cuba. I had a great opportunity to um, go down there and um and I, I had low expectations when it came to the entrepreneur scene, but I will tell you what, if you want to see a true entrepreneur who is getting around adversity, over hurdles, um, innovating, I would put my money behind a Cuban hacker team faster than anyone from <laughs> wow, this country really? because of the soft skills you keep mentioning. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Incredible. Incredible. Super interesting. Well, I find that, you know, it, it's funny. Um, I had a conversation with Roman Sunder from Patel um, mm -hmm. and we were talking about like these super or I'll say people that we look at as super entrepreneurs. And usually they have some sort of chip on their shoulder, whether it's like a Rob Dyrdek or, you know, even Oprah, who, you know, was abused as a child. Like you, you kind of go this complete opposite direction because whatever damage mm -hmm. or harm you experience, you know, equal and opposite reaction kind of thing. Um, you find that, you know, those are the things that like, oh, if, if, if I almost died a few times as a kid because of the neighborhood I lived in, <laughs> oh, this software hacking is nothing. Like this is, <laughs> this is the safest place on earth where other people like, right, uh, right. they get frustrated so easily. Um, I don't have a question there. It's just, uh, it was just a really cool observation and I didn't think about it from a Cuba perspective or, you know, as you've gone all around the world, I would imagine you've seen similar sort of disciplinary functions. Well, totally. I mean, there's a lot of great ideas in the world, right? A lot of great ideas, but scaling a company takes all of those quote soft skills that you're talking about, all of them and, or knowing how to surround yourself with other people, right. Who can balance that skill set. Uh, and that's why I, I was, when I came out of Cuba, I thought, man, if they ever open this country up to true commerce, uh, these young people are going to have just killer skills <laughs> to, to build companies. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that goes back again to the entrepreneur and, and the mindset versus just the tangible thing they're building. Um, you know, how are they jumping over hurdles every single day, no matter what? Um, and by the way, I'd like nice people over a-holes. And I think the <laughs> next generation of entrepreneurs you're going to see that that kindness and being polite and those old skill sets of, you know, being on time, following up, remembering who got you there, you know, actually are going to help with this next, uh, I think, crew of entrepreneurs. Uh, that's that's an interesting perspective. You know, um, it is sort of like the humbleness or the sort of the return to uh, I was going to say chivalry, but that's not right. But, you know, just like you, you the, the the your IQ has to match your EQ. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, and that has to be taught. I think we anyone who's kind of like hustling toward a dream is kind of like got their blinders on and you may knock some things and people over <laughs> on the way to where you're going and not turn around and say sorry or or all those sorts of um, uh, social graces that we, we forget. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I, I took a second meeting with, um, with a group that I, I'm now really proud to be on their advisory board. 
uh, scoop and I, they, their business model is killer. They're, they're a long distance carpooling company, but, but they are building it out of the Bay area because they want to lower emissions and end climate change. And, um, the, the co-founders are brothers from Atlanta and they're the nicest guys, but they also have just an unbelievable business. But that second meeting came from their demeanor and how they held themselves. And then of course the third meeting came from a killer business model that might end climate change, but well, might help. But yeah, I believe that uh, combine EQ, IQ, a good business model, great entrepreneurial skills, um, and you can you can do it, man. So yeah, no just, matter just, where you live. Just a few things to keep in mind. <laughs> yeah. um, so <laughs> when I think about Dell, and you know, they make products, they sell products. Um, that is, uh, I would imagine, their core business. Um, what sorts of key metrics are you held to, or or are there any? You know, in your day to day, kind of exploring and giving entrepreneurs tools and wisdom and, and support. Um, what are sort of the the business expectations on on that side of uh, what you're doing? Well, um, we do believe in multipliers, so it, it's very hard. You know, Dell is is going through the largest tech acquisition in history, so you can we're a huge company, but. So it, in my mind, and in, I'm sure in Michael Dell's mind, we would love to help all, every entrepreneur in the world, but that's just very difficult. So what I get held to is how do we have significant multiplier effects with entrepreneurs? So we like platforms, for example. Um, I mentioned earlier the circular board. If we really enhance what is this fast-growing accelerator for women entrepreneurs led by Carolyn Rod? We support that organization. You know, I think she's got 10,000 companies under her belt right now. Uh, that's a huge multiplier, and those are what I look for. 1776 was out of D.C., same thing. Just they, They're connecting, trying to connect every accelerator in the world with each other to share knowledge on a union platform. Huge multiplier. Policy issues, same thing. If we're really going after... Um, you know, we worked very hard. My first objective when I came in as EIR was to help support a new UN sustainable development goal for entrepreneurship. And what that did when it passed is we got 1.5 billion people behind that to support it. It actually gives a roadmap of entrepreneur ecosystem policy for every country in the world. That's a huge multiplier. So that's what I get measured on and pushed for is how do we support mechanisms that are going to help thousands of entrepreneurs um, if we actually scale them, whether they be policy, ecosystems, platforms, and so on. Um, that's great. I, I, I just I, I love all that stuff. I think about this, um, this are idea. Are you crushing I am. I, I do. You should see my eyes right now. I'm just, I'm totally glazed over. <laughs> and it's not from last night either. Um, <laughs> no, there's a, there's a huge amount of empathy that I think that just stems from you genuinely. Um, but also is a, another soft skill that you kind of need to do what you do, right? Put yourself in the shoes of these individuals, geographically, culturally, you know, agriculture to energy to, you know, social media. Um, how how does that manifest itself in sort of how it affects you as an individual? Like, I think when you open yourself up to somebody else's perspective, you also gain mm -hmm. some things. What have you gained mm -hmm. uh, as Elizabeth Gore through going, you know, through through this being your career path thus far? 
Wow. Um, too deep? Was it too deep? Too... I told you I was crushing. No, no, no. That's, that was good. So, so it's funny because um, I remember when I, I got named, I, I was on the stage at TechCrunch Disrupt, and I was extremely pregnant, by the way, when um, I was uh, named, we announced I was going to be uh, the entrepreneur resident at Dell, and one of the first questions was, well, you come from the UN from a humanitarian background. You're not an entrepreneur. And I remember being like, well, shit. Um, sorry. I, it just really shocked me because I, I always thought of myself as an entrepreneur. And That's a great thing to say to a so pregnant on. woman, by the way. Say it again? I said that's a great thing to say to a pregnant woman on stage. That's- oh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could have given birth right there. Like, have all these folks in hoodies just die. I think right. it was like four women, too, speaking on stage that day. But anyways, um, and I remember I, I just had to toughen up a little. I mean, entrepreneurs, um, I think, are very tough. I, I think it's scary, and they're risk takers. And um, in the humanitarian world, your product is, are people, people's lives. So a lot of folks give, whether it's the UN or, or, or some government aid agencies, a lot of crap because they're like, why aren't you faster? Why don't you take more risks and so on? But it's people's lives. And so, um, you know, it's a very different, quote, product. But what I've learned from entrepreneurs is, that, is there is a balance between, um, as you're saying, having empathy for people, helping people in their lives, making sure that your company has a triple bottom line of people, planet, and profit. But then on the other side is take risks, you know, put your head down, become profitable, um, and have that balance of a little tougher skin, making harder decisions, and so on. So um, I think the skill set I've been I've learned is to be a little tougher, a little stronger, take more risks. Um, and then the other side is inspiration. I mean, I uh, I get super inspired by entrepreneurs. It's very hard for me not to to say to, to everyone, I'd, I would love to help you. <laughs> uh, I mean, when I was in Cuba, I was just like, I want to take everyone home with me. And oh my gosh, we could scale this and we could scale this. And because um, I definitely bet on people versus um, their companies first. Because uh, again, I, I think there are a lot of great ideas with, with terrible execution. And um, so it, it, I'm learning to... Um, hold my re- personal resources down and really focus on a few big things versus trying to help everyone, which is hard. Uh, where did this all get instilled in you? Like, I think a lot of people care from a distance, <laughs> but you're obviously up to your, your pregnant belly at one point in it. Um, what, you know, why, what's your, what's the driver for you? Like, what's the thing that makes you go like, yes, this is exactly because especially if you're seeing all these great business ideas, I would imagine you go like, oh, I want to get involved in that one too. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you're, you're taking the heart route and I'm curious as like, what keeps you going and like, where did that uh, passion get instilled in you? Um, I guess it goes back to people. I mean, even I, I could probably tell I'm an internal optimist, but it's weird because my, one of my jobs working with the UN foundation was to take people, um, business people, actually entrepreneurs in media to the, the toughest places in the world. So South Sudan, when that was going on, went to the DRC, like really tough trips. But you would, you know, you'd see the worst of humanity and the best of humanity literally in the same spot. And the best of humanity was usually people who were just trying to make a living. They were trying to build their small business. Um, and, and in that, they were giving back to their community because they were making money. And then 
whether they were buying health care for their kids, whether they're getting um, supplies that their neighbor needed. I don't know. I, I've just been always inspired by entrepreneurs and, and small business because they they had a passion and usually that passion spilled out into the community in a very positive way. Um, so whether you're looking at, at, at I get really excited on, the, on a macro level for, you know, the Elon Musk in the world who might actually lower our need for energy and shift climate all the way over to, um, you know, the refugee who is going to probably put 90% of her income back into her community and her family because she's a woman and she cares about her kids. So um, I don't know. I just think people are a good bet at the end of the day, I guess. <laughs> no, and I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I, you know, and I, I was digging into your uh, your files a, a little earlier. <laughs> my, um, my FBI files. Yes, exactly. I I'm, know so much about you. Now, now that I've been to Cuba, there's for sure one. <laughs> no, but um, I saw you studied animal science. You have a degree in animal mm-hmm. science. Um, I and, do. And if you need anything with your cow, call me. Uh, but yes, first I got to get a cow. But uh, <laughs> but first things first, right? Um, and then also the equestrian route that, that was part of your uh, your personal history. When I guess when did when did you make a transition from animal science to what <laughs> to what you're doing now? Right? Like what uh, what what well, went on? Was it was the, the switch that turned? Because we we live in the vineyards and we're in the middle of harvest, um, which is funny. So full circle, but. Yes. So cattle and horses were my life. And I was the first woman in my family to have the opportunity to graduate from college. And coming from ag, that's what you do. I mean, you, I, I had every intention to go back and manage our ranch. And, um, and by the way, I think ranchers are amazing entrepreneurs. Um, but I, uh, I had a shift in school where I had the opportunity um, to help solve a problem. Um, there was uh, no child care center on, on our campus, and, uh, and there was a lot of women who needed that support. I found out that we were the only school in the Big 12 who didn't have women's support services. And I don't know, we uh, several of the students got pretty entrepreneurial, got in a little bit of trouble, and <laughs> ended up um, in a positive way um, getting a lot of support from the president at the time. Uh, Ray Bowen and Mary Miller, who was the vice president there, and said, look, if you raise the money and you figure out how to build this, we'll support you. And so I would say that was my first shift into an entrepreneurial endeavor where we had to get the money we needed. We had to get the people we needed, the whole business plan. We had to get the policy approved. Right. And I thought it was amazing that a social problem could actually be, you know, solved, not through, you know, a billionaire, not through government necessarily, but a bunch of entrepreneurial folks coming together and, and fixing it. And um, so that kind of, opened my world up and believe it or not some people do leave the great state of texas and (laughs) so i uh i ran around the world looking around and learning and um just uh had a lot of great opportunities into um the cross-section between social good and entrepreneurship and it's been a a a crazy ride ever since no pun intended with the uh, question (laughs) right exactly exactly (laughs) Um, so we've, I feel like we've covered a lot. Like you, 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 I mean, you're, you're an amazing guest, um, an amazing person, obviously. Um, but I think about, you know, you mentioned Elon Musk, we talked about Cuba, um, you know, refugees, so on and so forth. And obviously the show is called Innovation Crush. Um, I'm curious as to what your crush is. You know, what have you seen out in the world that you're like, oh my gosh, that is so amazing. I can't wait till this 
tenure is over at Dell, so I can. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but you know, what is that thing out there that you see that you kind of personally have a innovation crush on? Um, capital for women-owned business. I am I am obsessed with it right now. I think um, a lot of people see it as a as a huge problem. The fact that there's only there's 93 percent of capital going elsewhere. Um, and women are starting businesses twice as fast as men right now. And so if you want to make a great bet of a completely open field, um, you know, start building a fund to invest in women-owned business. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I'm crushing on it. I'm pumped about it. I'm meeting with as many people as I can um, on it right now. And uh, I think it's, I truly think it's the next frontier. Um and, you know, it's a good social bet. Women put 90% of their income back in their community and families. So to me, it's uh, instead of philanthropy, let's let's jump in there and invest in women-owned business. I am, I am like, completely crushing on every woman right now who's launching a business. I love that. Um, so, yeah, we'll make sure they all have your cell phone number once the, <laughs> once the show's over. I'm close. Not yet. I'm close. Give me here. Give me here. Um, there's a, a quote from you. Technology is the most consistent and reliable force that continues to enable and improve human potential through innovation. Um, I said that? That's you, amazing. Yeah, yeah. You really sounded... Ca- either caffeinated or two glasses of wine then, to be that deep. <laughs> Coffee wine. It, you could just combine the two. Um, there's my... There's Who my business? Yeah, exactly. There's my, that's my pitch for you today. Um <laughs> No, but kind of, I, I don't know, I, I wanted you to expand on that a little bit, you know, because I think you talked about some sort of, some analog businesses, but you also talked about some that are tech forward and then the intersection of the two, um, you know, what, how, what is your position on the technology influence in entrepreneurship? Well, to, to be truthful, I, I think every business now is a technology business. Uh, and if you don't look at your business that way, you're probably not going to scale. Um, it is the great equalizer. Um, you know, Michael says that technology is, is what's going to democratize the world. And I agree with that. I mean, if you go into a refugee camp and see a hundred kids in line for the one computer to get on Facebook uh, or in Cuba just now, you know, there's very few uh, hotspots um or access to Wi-Fi, you see 80 people in a spot that's maybe for 20 just trying to get access to information. Um, so I do. I think it's a great equalizer. We, it, it's also um, technology is blind. I, I think that is is also a great equalizer. So to, your, to our point earlier on crowdfunding, look, look what that has done. Um, I, I love the fact that we're moving up into the cloud and we're getting into IOT. I think that's going to, you know, lower our need for physical hardware, which is going to be better for the environment and e-waste. So I think only good can come out of this. And I know a few haters will come back at me, but I do think technology, whether you're thinking about, you know, the digital economy that's coming or, you know, our hard, the, the hardware kind of revolution we're coming out of are, are all net positive. That's awesome. That's great. I, I tell you really quickly a quote I heard that I loved. Um, Narana Murthy started the company Infosys in India, and he said that um, the bank machine, the ATM, never could discriminate against him. Yeah. <laughs> That's something to really think about when he was trying to walk into a bank to get money and was told no, but he could walk up to an ATM machine and get his money out. I mean, that, that, that's that's an interesting quote. Um, that is and it's stuck with me like forever. 
And I do. I think whatever form it takes, technology is the great equalizer. That's awesome. Um, as we as we wind down, uh, breathe this whole conversation. And you did you did good today. Give yourself a pat on the back. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, what time is it? Can I have my wine yet? <laughs> all my, well, there's five o'clock somewhere, hours. right? Is that the is that the saying? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, uh, I want you to complete this phrase for me, if you don't mind. Okay. In- innovation to me is. Innovation to me is saving lives. Wow, that's that's a that's a lofty one. Um, <laughs> and it, I I've mean, seen it. I believe it. Yeah, no. It, I mean, everything you've said today like echoes that, right? And it's giving opportunity. It's giving opportunity to those to give opportunities to others. It's the multiplier that you mentioned. It's it's all the things that you that you've said. That's great. Um, do you have any questions for me? I don't know. <laughs> right now i'd love to hear that Ooh, um that's a good one um the first thing that comes to mind is um this sort of idea of emotional fitness um kind of like i think you mentioned earlier this kindness piece that we're returning to i think a lot of wearable technology has allowed us to monitor our steps and see how much food we ate and so on and so forth and then i think that forces us the next to the next evolution which is um our holistic health right are we healthy yeah. mentally are we healthy emotionally um if you know if my heart rate is accelerated at a point in time because i can see it on my device then i can go back and look like oh i was actually kind of nervous at that moment how can i be more calm right and then you go down the rabbit hole of fascinating yeah you know sort of self <laughs> self medicating in in that in that essence and you know a lot more tools and technologies are coming online to to be able to help us you know be more holistically healthy um, hmm. so, so yeah, that was my, uh, unexpected, uh, answer, but yeah, no, I, I, that's, that's my crush right now. I love it. Exercise is my drug of choice and, um, it just keeps me calm, helps me focus. It's also my only time that I'm kind of alone, uh, with my thoughts and I'm obsessed. I, I just got a Garmin Phoenix and I'm obsessed with it, with all the technology that comes with it. It is awesome. Nice. Nice. Well, then you're in shape mentally, physically, and uh, I thank you for, for, for jumping on the show today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Can't wait to come back and uh, um, crush on you some more. <laughs> um, where should people go to find out more about you? Is there a way they can support? Like, what's uh, now it's time for your uh, your shameless plugs, if there, if there are any. No, please go go to my Twitter page at Elizabeth Gore, and I'd love to to talk with y'all. Remember that I'm always listening. Um, you know, it, you tell me in 142 characters what you're dealing with, and and I from an advocacy standpoint, and and I will listen, and we'll use all the muscle we can to you know help shift policies and support you. So come come talk to me, please. All right. Oh, you got ten thousand followers. You you got a you got a whole community of your own. This is great. <laughs> now you have ten thousand and one at the very least. I just there followed we go. you. <laughs> thank you. Um, well, thank you so much again, um, and I appreciate you, everyone. This has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>